Hi friends, you're listening to Happily Hour with Caitlin Eastler, a corporate engagement and well-being podcast for people leaders who want to build positive culture and highly productive teams. As the founder and CEO of Happily, Caitlin spends her days talking to HR leaders across the country, many of whom she calls friends. Happily Hour is your chance to listen in and learn from top industry execs who are passionate about taking care of their talent, supporting employee mental and physical health, and making work better for everyone. Hi, friends. We are so excited to have Samantha Bird joining us today. Samantha has been Chief People Officer, CHRO extraordinaire across a variety of different companies from government contracting to fast growth tech. Um, And she is just a wealth of information. So I'm so excited for you to meet Samantha today and learn about some of the amazing things she's doing today and has done over her career to bring people together to ultimately drive the business forward. So Samantha, tell us a little bit about your eclectic and amazing background. Well, thanks, Caitlin. Really happy to be here and um, sharing a little information that I hope people will find helpful. Um, You know, I've worked in human resources now for over 20 years, which I really don't like to say out loud because I don't feel old enough to have worked that long. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as you alluded to, I started my career, I've lived in the DC area for that whole time. I started my career in the two largest employers in the DC area. So government contracting and nonprofits and trade associations. Um, Then I had an opportunity about eight years into my career to switch over to uh, big data, technology, venture capital, private equity, um, organizations of all different sizes. Uh, So I've been really fortunate in my career to to see a lot of different things, to work with a lot of different and very talented people. Um, And I feel like, you know, each of those experiences has helped me become the the people leader that I am today. And I, I like take little nuggets from that and I'll circle back to them later in my career and be like, oh, that was perfect. Like, why don't we do this that way <laughs> uh, and keep things going? So um, right now I'm currently with a SaaS software company uh, and we sell a uh, software product into the insurance broker business for benefits administration. Amazing. And one of the things is we were like, you know, kind of leading up to this call, we talked about how in government contracting, some things work versus in a software company with a distributed workforce post pandemic, different things worked. So can you tell our audience about this, like, kind of framework that you've put together for deciding like, what is it that's going to work in these different types of companies to bring people together with the idea of not just having it be like a rah rah event, but like really moving the needle on relationships and then ultimately for the business. Sure. Um, yeah, certainly you can't take a one size fits all approach. Um, I think, you know, oftentimes you really just have to like know and understand the DNA of the business, um, what the leaders of that business are, tr- are trying to communicate uh, and what they're trying to, you know, get out of or um, help their employees experience as they go through these different things. And so, you know, that that will vary depending on size and industry and location and the balance today between in office and hybrid. Uh, are you fully remote? Um, it, it, and what those things look like. And, you know, I would say um, if, if we talk about a framework there, you know, there's, there's just like the really, it's going to sound really basic when you say it, but like 
know who you are, like, and, and what is really important to you as a business. Uh, what do you value in yourself and what do you value in your employees? And then what actions can you take to highlight that or to really amplify that in whatever you're doing? And uh, that's in sending an email, leading an all hands meeting, deciding to get people together. Um, you know, I think a lot of us right now and over probably the last year, uh, we've a lot of leaders have been struggling with how do we bring people back to the office? Um, because I think, you know, as leaders and I, I think working uh, closely with CEOs and founders over the last year, I think that one of the hardest parts of the pandemic initially was that if you're a CEO and you built this business and you've hired all these people and they come to the office every day and you come to the office, that CEO gets to look out and say, oh, there's my company. Like that is what I've built. Like, and, and, and they take a lot of energy from that. And so when suddenly like with the flip of a switch that was gone, um, I remember working with one CEO in particular and and he was just like, he was just sad because he didn't get to see his employees anymore. And he didn't get to collaborate the way he had. Um, and it took him a while to learn, you know, uh, as it did all of us on Zoom, like, how do we collaborate? How do we interact? How do we bring the things that we really valued in the office to this virtual space or to this hybrid space? Um, and so I think a little bit of a, 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 you know, testing and figuring out what comes back there. And then now we're on the flip side of that. So here we are three years later, the national health emergency is over. Um, companies are trying to people bring people back into the office uh, and the world has changed dramatically in those three years. I think people started finding um, value uh, outside of the office and outside of their work life. Um, you know, especially people who lived in places that had long commutes, they suddenly found they had hours back in their day and ways to spend that. Um, they got used to seeing their kids for lunch when they were home <laughs> during the lockdown or being able to pick them up from school. Um, and so that has really, um, for some people, changed the, the dynamic or the equation of what they want to get um, from the workplace. And so, again, as leaders, we have to understand that. We can't go back and put that square box of like pre-pandemic Thursday night happy hour on top of this world because it just doesn't fit anymore. Um, and if you do, you're gonna you'll you'll quickly find out. If you try, you'll you'll find out that it doesn't fit anymore. Um, but what we're seeing is that you know people do want to come together, um, and I think it's really important they come together um, because I I do get a sense of loneliness uh, from employees, and it, it, you can tell there's like this internal struggle of like being lonely versus like putting on pants and leaving my house, like so comfort and so loneliness. True. Yes. <laughs> and so like, I'll just stay here lonely instead of putting on pants. Um, uh, sorry to break it down into such a sort of crude analogy. That. But That's so right though. Everybody's like on the other side of this going, yes, amen. Like, <laughs> um, and so, you know, as we've tried to bring people back into the office, got a ton of pushback initially of, oh, you know, you told us you were going to give us this much notice. You're going to tell us this. And like, you know, there's a, just a million reasons or like for lifestyle reasons, I don't want to do it. Um, you know, ACA accommodations, of course, we're going to continue to do those and, and different things. But again, find ways to include, include our, all of our employees. Um, and the biggest thing we did was sort of say, okay, we're going to come in on these days of the week. 
um, because we wanted to anchor people together and give them reasons to be there collaborating around other people. And some of the biggest pushback was, well, why don't you let us pick the days and time we come in? And we didn't want to do that because we'd have two people in the office on Tuesday and seven people in on Friday and 14 in on Wednesday. And we just wouldn't get the right cross-pollination and the really the impact of bringing people together. Um, so really anchored around those two days, which I think was really important. Um, and then we've said... Sorry, go ahead. All right, one thing on that. So when we were talking offline, we talked about like, you know, people don't want to go in the office and then be on Zoom the whole time, right? They want to know that there's a purpose to coming into the office. So I think you've you've overcome one of the obstacles in that people are coming in the same days if they do come in with your current organization. But what are you doing to make sure like managers and people in general are being thoughtful with like, if I'm here, let's make sure that there's some, I'm getting work done, but I'm also um, really connecting with people. Sure. So, I mean, all of the carrots. Um, so is there a breakfast? Is there a lunch? Is there a, a, a social gathering? We have said that we would run all of our corporate meetings on days we're in the office. So the all hands meeting will happen on a day when everybody's in the office. Um, and we also are in a unique situation where we have about 40% of our staff is near an office, but we still have 60% of our employees who are in this hybrid world. Uh, so really, you know, um, keeping them and so equipping our conference rooms uh, with the right video equipment so that we can see all the people that are calling in. So like, and it's, you know, just tiny changes and some tech changes that aren't that expensive to make sure we're having inclusive there. Another thing I kept hearing is like, well, when I come to the office, I don't get any work done. And my answer to that is great. Like, I don't want you to get any work done. I want you to talk to the people who um, who you don't get a chance to run into when you're sitting on a Zoom meeting. Um, and so, you know, while I think Zoom is really good and Slack is really good and all of SharePoint or, you know, whatever system you're using for self-serving information, like, oh, I need to get an answer to this question. I'll just go Slack this person. Um, like, that's great, but like, it's better. Like, I'm just gonna walk down the hall and talk to this person uh, because I can. And so really, if, if you're in the office, we don't want you slacking with other people in the office. We want you to get up and go walk to their desk. Um, you know, we've said to keep external meetings, uh, which is easier for some departments than others because, and of course, sales is a lot of external, um, but keep those meetings to a minimum on the days that we're in the office because we wanna be collaborating together. Um, you know, we um, starting to get back to doing um, some community service events or things like that. And so scheduling those on days when you can be back in the office. So, yeah. you know, like the uh, event that we that I did with Happily last week where we came together and like really simple stuff, you know, writing encouraging notes, um, you know, putting together the meal bags for students in Title I schools, like just giving somebody like it's, it's not even an hour of your day. Like right. by the time you organize, like, somebody on some team yeah. is going to spend more time on it, but for happily to do that for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to spend an hour doing that. And it just, you know, when you're, when you're focused on something that's not about you and not about work, the, the tone of the conversation changes yeah. um, and you start relating to people. And I think so much of that is lost in zoom um, and in like these very deliberate meetings where you only talk to people when you have to ask them a question yeah. rather than just like getting together and, and having a conversation. 
And I think like the developing a culture doesn't happen by accident, right? And so one of the things for anybody that was on our at our panel and heard Samantha's brilliance last week was that like you have to train leaders on kind of whatever this new world of work is and what you want to accomplish as a culture, right? Um, it doesn't just, yes. it's not just a miracle no. that happened. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I think I joked last week that like no company ever has invested enough time, money or resources into manager development. And, you know, if you looked at any of the data before the pandemic, um, it would all say that we didn't do a good job of it. We were together. Uh, we certainly didn't focus on it for probably the first two years of the pandemic. And I think now really over the last year, I've started to realize um, the importance of equipping your frontline managers with, and, and it's not like some million dollar training program to make them better. It's really just having a conversation with them, like being very clear, like this is what it means to be a manager at this company. Here are the three things that we want you to do every week. Here is what the are plan those three things? for where like, we're going. Like what would you, you know, tell people? I'll go back to very basic stuff. Have a one-on-one -on -one with every employee that you that you that your direct report every week. Um, uh, be giving feedback or coaching uh, to all of those, and then you know really take time to help your teams plan and reflect on the work that they're doing. Um, and and there are a ton of tools out there. There are a ton of programs out there, but it's it, it's really the basics of what management 101 looks like. Um, and by all means, you could bring in great uh, leader training programs, but you don't have to start there. I think a lot of companies probably make the mistake of, oh, we have a management problem. Let's just go buy this solution <laughs> and run this program and that'll fix it. And because you haven't done the preparation for integrating that new language into your culture, and you probably never talk about it again once the program's over, you've really wasted your money. So it's really about the preparation and the execution of that, adopting the language, making it your cultural language of how you share and reflect with others. And um, uh, there are two things I definitely wanna make sure we cover. So one is um, that really cool insight you gave to whether you're in person or remote, how to make people feel connected and you use this Slack channel um, I think around um, volunteering and having people share pictures of volunteering, whether they were doing it officially through work or they were doing it through their community. And then the second is like how the differences in a government contracting organization and some of the work you guys did to bring people together that weren't necessarily ever going to come to the office. They were, you know, and you had to like bring your culture to them. So I'd love to go through both of those. Yeah, sure. So on the government contracting front, um, you know, they dealt with uh, dispersed workforces, you know, long before, or the hybrid <laughs> workforce long before sort of the rest of the world did. Um, and I remember early in my career, you know, sitting around with my CEO and our leadership team and thinking about how do we get these people who, you know, they don't even come to our office for orientation, <laughs> you know, they're like, and they're out the door and, and representing us in front of a government client uh, without, without us having a lot of um, interaction or context with them. So one is like, uh, there was a really big focus on onboarding, really trying to assimilate people into the way that we work, um, which was sometimes hard because 
some of our government clients didn't care about the particular ways we worked. They wanted them to work the way they wanted to work. Um, but we often found that, you know, the, you know, here this employee is going into a government site. There may not be another employee from our company working on that project. They may be sitting between somebody from Deloitte and Booz Allen is on the other side. And how do we make that person feel like they're part of our company on the other, you know, 28 days of the month when they don't get a paycheck from us? Um, and so it was really um, uh, what we discovered was uh, things that worked for us was having our CEO or our leadership team, you know, visiting those sites. Um, so on a monthly basis, going down and whatever teams were, were at that particular location, being able to take them out to lunch or, you know, having a Q&A session with them. Um, also doing our all hands meetings. Um, we had tried with not great success to get people to come into our corporate office and that just got people off their routines and they didn't really like it. So we would end up renting space down near the, the work sites and bring people together there um, and keep it within the work day uh, if at all possible because of the people that had large, long commutes and different things like that, but really trying to meet people where they are instead of force them into, you know, what might be easiest for us. And so again, it's this constant sort of like give and take and understanding um, of who your employees are, what they need, and, you know, how you sort of optimize that relationship. And then the second area you brought up was around this community service idea. And um, when- Before before we go into that, sorry, just one sure. thing that really resonated when you talk about is I think that you we said, you know, we expect managers to know what to do, right? And um, there's all this extensive training and things you can do, but like, it's not that complicated, right? So like if there were for managers to think about being of service to others and asking questions and showing you care, like that's 90% of the way sometimes, right? It's not, it yeah. doesn't have to be over the top. Right, and and we go so far as to script, you know, for our managers, here are the five questions I want you to ask in your one-on-one -on -one meetings this week. Ask these five questions, write down what the answers are, um, and let's come back and let's take a look at those. Um, and if we're, you know, because sometimes you're getting better information out of those conversations than you will get out of an engagement survey, um, or, or other types of things. Because again, somebody is talking to somebody that they have a relationship with and not an anonymous survey that they're filling out. Um, so again, you know, if you, you know, as leaders of an organization uh, or as executives and, and you've got a message that you wanna push, like you have to equip your managers to be able to answer those questions or deal with it. So like share that information with them ahead of time, help them, you know, practice and understand how to answer those questions and also help them understand that if they're not comfortable answering the question, who they can go to to get that answer and say, and, and what's the appropriate response to an employee that asks a question about the strategic plan for the organization that you don't know? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but let me connect you to X and they'd be happy to talk to you about it. So I think preparing them to either answer the question or know where to get the answer is really important because you don't want your managers to feel like, they're falling flat on their face and they don't have the information they need um, to be really successful there. Can you give like just a couple examples of what those questions might be that you would equip people with? Sure. Um, so I would start with, um, you know, and it sort of depends on where you are in the, in the life cycle of 
one-on-ones is if this is a new employee, you know, you're going to start with questions of like getting to know this person as a human. Um, do you have any pets? Where did you go on your last vacation? How do you like to spend your free time? You know, just to like build um, that relationship, asking about family, you know, understanding those types of things. But once you're, you know, sort of into it every week, um, I think it's really important to ask people sort of like, you know, what are they working on right now? Um, and, and help them reflect on, so I would, I use this sort of like, what are you working on now? Are there any roadblocks? How can I help you be successful? Um, or I think really, um, really good ones to do. And then I often have my direct reports at the end of the week, do a reflection, sort of like take that 10 minutes and say, here's what I worked on this week. Here's what I'm going to work on next week. And here are questions I have for, for our next one-on-one. -on -one. And so I can come back around to that the next week and say, oh, well, did you actually get to work on the three things that you listed here? And sometimes they're like, yeah, I did. That was great. And other times they're like, no, I got totally bogged down and X, Y, and Z. And I didn't get to what I wanted to work on this week. Okay. How can I help you get to what you need to be working on? How does that yeah. align with where our team is going? And being able to pick that up um, and go for it. So it's just how you structure those questions and what you do with the answers of those questions. And it takes practice. Like you can't, like, I'm sure I was a terrible manager somewhere in the past, I think, but we all have to learn. And I think so many times the only management training people get is whatever manager they had and so it's totally. like and, and it's if a lottery that manager, do you get lucky yeah. or not <laughs> yeah if that manager wasn't good then like you don't particularly know how to be a great manager you know you've uh, and so you've just inherited those things and so i think like adding that structure to those questions um really helps out a lot and uh, it, you know you'll i'm not the first person to say this i think everybody says it like setting up those one-on-ones and don't miss them like uh, yeah, and, and have them um, and if you're doing it on zoom, that's great. Do it on zoom. If you can get together, you know, um, do them getting together. Uh, yeah. but it's just really important to set aside that time and try to keep part of that time. Uh, don't let that time be the task list for the things that you guys are collaborating on at work. Don't, don't go down like, Oh, where's this project? Where's this project? Where's this project? Like Try let it be a high level conversation. If you need to check in on a project that you happen to be working with this person on, schedule other time for that. Um, but keep this about um, their performance, how they're feeling, how you can help them, and not just a checklist. I love it. Um, so many brilliant concepts here, Samantha. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, before we head out, one last thing: this amazing thing you did with the give back, which is like no cost, and while happily does give back events and helps companies, you know, through our platform. I think it's also important in this moment in time to understand there are some free things you can do if you're not in a place to have budget to spend on extra tools. Um, can you tell us what you did with the give back? I loved it. Sure. Um, so this was sort of pre-pandemic during pandemic is where this idea was born out of. But uh, the company I was working for at the time, we used to get together because we were all in the same place and we would go do a community service event together. So we would, um, you know, go to a soup kitchen, we would volunteer, um, you know, repainting a school or building some playground. We did a lot of different things. It was really important to us uh, picking up trash. <laughs> um, and then, you know, what we discovered during the pandemic when people weren't getting together, we weren't in an office anymore. And 
we started hiring people all over the country is it was almost impossible to get everybody together again to do that. Um, but still at our core, like having that community service aspect, you know, being part of a larger community was really important to us. And so what we did um, was we started giving, you know, what we learned is that because we weren't doing stuff together didn't mean that people in our company weren't involved in doing everything. And so we started asking the question, well, you know, you have your eight hours uh, a year to go spend on community service. What are you doing? Well, I volunteer with Big Brothers and Big Sisters, and I'm a Girl Scout leader, and I do the Potomac River pickup, and I do all these things. And so what we did instead of, because it used to be really sort of celebratory, you come together, you do something good, you all feel good. And so we had people start posting in our, we set up a Slack channel for it to say, you know, and they would post pictures of, uh, here's what a picture of them doing it or other people at the event, a little blurb about how to get involved if they want to. And so it became this collection of all the good that we were doing as a company. And I think it made people in the organization feel good because they got to shine a light on the work that they were already doing in their communities. And, um, you know, a little bit of recognition for the organizations that they were working with. Um, and so it was just, it became sort of like, my favorite Slack channel, because if I needed to go feel good about something, I could just go see all the good work we were doing. Um, and then at the end of the year, we, we never sort of published a report or a book or anything, but there was um, sort of our year of the end, uh, end of the year, all hands meeting a review on the hours we spent working on in all these different areas. And I think it made people feel really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's certainly ways where that require spend and there are certainly ways that can we can do creatively that require spend in a different way or time um, that can really move the needle. Um, so thank you so much for these incredible insights between the manager tips and questions and format to, you know, low cost ways to make people feel connected. Um, this has been so, so helpful, Samantha. Thank you. Well, great. I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on and talk about it. Such a, such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. We loved sharing time with you. A friendly reminder about what we do at Happily. We help your teams connect and engage in healthy ways with volunteerism and active lifestyle at the core. If you're interested in being featured on the Happily podcast, I'd love to hear from you and connect. Happily Hour is brought to you by Happily, the employee engagement app that brings teams together through service and wellness activities. To learn more, please visit www.happily.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-Y.com. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Happily Hour on Spotify so you never miss an episode. Make it a great day.